on this week's Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and I have one of our favorite humans on the Sports Cheetah. We dabble into some very deep stuff, very personal stuff that we air on. And, and everyone's probably thinking I'm being sarcastic right now, but no, it really is serious. And um, then we give some picks. We talk a little bit about Bill Simmons and his betting and examine his process. And then um, we end with uh, sort of a cliffhanger for all of you guys. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast where Rufus Peabody, professional better, very successful professional better, and Jeff Ma. Allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly. There's no Jeff Ma allegedly. I'm I'm really Jeff Ma. There's no alleged Jeff Ma. I'm I'm there's there's no inherently existent Jeff Ma. Uh who am I? What am I? How would you define me in three words, Rufus? Ooh. Smart, funny, rational. No, I was I was trying to. I don't mean to give three a, words using our questions, but I don't I, mean to give a no, spoiler alert. But the fact that Cheetah doesn't think I'm funny is like very insulting to me. You know. So, anyways, we'll let it go. Um, what happened last week with you? Anything interesting? Um, my Calcutta yeah. fell to shambles, so let's not talk about that. But um, oh, after wait, that, let's see. Like... You had Clemson? Did you have mm-hmm. Clemson? Mm-hmm. Did you have... Who else lost that would have hurt you? Clemson and Cincinnati were the two that were kind of bad for from a Calcutta perspective because Cincinnati would have played in the AAC finals and would have still had like an outside shot to be the top group of five team. Um, I, lost, I, I had a bad Calcutta week too because it's the end of the season and the Western Kentucky quarterback only a second in passing. And that was basically, I, I think I own Western Kentucky, North Carolina State and Iowa and that's it. So, you know, all three will go to bowls. So I'll probably get like $5 or something, but yeah, that's something. I mean, I have a Purdue who somehow managed to make the Big Ten championship. Yeah. Game, so. I, I When I saw that, I was like, wait, what? What's the line in that game? They're it, actually, they're actually, they're actually game. a pretty good team. They lost yeah. to Syracuse in a close game. They lost to um, Penn State in a game that they probably should have won. You know, they 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 actually are a reasonable team. So I don't I don't think I don't think uh, you know okay. I I ultimately anyway. So they can be a reasonable how about you? Did you have team. a good Did you have a good weekend? They can be re- a reasonable team, and we can still have laid minus fifteen and a half on Michigan. Um, I I, yeah. I did. I had um, betting wise, it was a pretty good weekend. It was a it was a good week. I I saw family in Northern Virginia. We my brother and sister and I ran the this Alexandria City Turkey Trot together. I hadn't run it since like eighth grade because when I was actually a competitive runner, the last thing I wanted to do was run a race that I, I didn't have to. But we my sister has got like gotten more into running. She's you know joined a running club and she used to run cross country in high school as well. And so. Um, we ended up all running. We, we we ran the whole thing together, finished, crossed the finish line together. And I think 
36 minutes and some odd number of like 50 seconds. And so, what was this a 5k? Uh, no, five mile. Okay. I was going to say a 5k. That's not very no, five mile, five mile, but, but it, it was, it was, I don't know. It, Jeff, it was really meaningful to me to be able to run, like run it with my siblings and to like, I mean, just to run the whole thing together. I don't know. It was, it was a special moment for me. That's awesome. Um, what did you, what was your most tilted moment of the week? The most tilted moment. Okay. You're going to make fun of me here. And I, um, I, so first I should say, I didn't book transportation back to, to DC for Thanksgiving until very late. And so the day before, you know, it being a big holiday and probably the biggest travel day of the year, maybe because you had college kids going, right. Everybody's going home. Um, it would have cost me over $350 to either fly, like to take the train and over $400 to fly. And it's like New York to DC. It's, you know, four hour drive basically. Um, so I took a bus. I took the actually, but I took the luxury bus and it was really nice. And I was like, man, this is totally worth the $80. Um, so coming back, it was the same issue and I booked the same company but it was not a luxury bus. And it made me realize, like, I was like, I should have paid the $400. Like it was, it was, yeah. What was the bus like? Oh, it was, I mean, the luxury one was nice. It was like leather seats. It was, you had your own armrest, like all the leg room in the world. It was like an Acela train kind of, you know, with the, I don't know if you've ridden the Acela Express where you have um, the, oh, I, I, the, I the table the that folds out in the front Acela of you. As a sponsor of our podcast, that would be amazing. You know that you know the table that folds out like from the bottom, like the thing comes out. Like it had that. It was nice. Um, on the way back, it was like very very tight. There were no armrests at all. Um, how there weren't plugs on half the seats. Um, no cup holder. Nothing. No no room. I'm just crunched like this the whole time for four hours trying to like live bet some NFL, bet some second halves. <laughs> So that's a good segue into my uh, uh, tilted moment of the week, which was like somewhere around 4.35 p.m. my time on Saturday. And, you know, you know, I've been on a heater when it comes to these college second halves. Oh, I I know where we're getting because you started the day so and hot then, and then you went like. And then you were like, just like egging me on asking me for my my and saying like oh you can't you're you're on a heater and then literally there was like five straight bets that i sent you and you there were like two that you were on the other side that i lost and i was like uh heater's over not sending anything to rufus anymore but the good part was literally after that i won my last two college and then i think what won uh six out of seven second halves in the nfl on sunday so heaters returned fully so we're good but nice. for a moment i was super but tilted and angry at you i i, I want to say for the record i'm going back in our chat and i didn't i said send anything you have your second half's have been on fire right yeah except that late i'm just too. messing with you but you know, know how I like know. you know how like when when you start sending it to someone like that you respect or care and you want them and then all of a sudden you start losing and the, especially if they're like, Oh, you oh, went like, actually, you won your on... first, like you went five and one in your first six. You said, but then after, especially when you're like, Oh no, we'd be on the other side of that one. Oh, we'd be on the other side of that one. I was like, Ugh. I wasn't really like, I wasn't mad at you or anything, but I was definitely like, 
annoyed at that moment, especially since I, you know, I'd been printing money until then. So anyways, let's not talk about that. Um, do you want to talk about our new feature, which is, I don't know what we're going to call it. Maybe we'll look to get this sponsored. Probably no one will want to sponsor it, but it's, it's going to be an analysis. What is it? Critique the process. Ooh, I like that. Critique the process. We critique the process of someone's bets. Yeah. So today we're going to be critiquing the process of one Bill Simmons, formerly the sports guy, who has an incredibly entertaining podcast that I listen to all the time. I don't think he's a good gambler. I don't think he should be giving anyone gambling advice, but that's not the point, right? His podcast is incredibly entertaining. I listen to it all the time. He has a segment called... What's that? I said you're brown nosing him, huh? No, I'm I'm trying to be honest because like, you know, the the idea that like we take down any media figures, um, like Simmons is he's created an incredible empire for himself and he's his podcast is it touches on a lot of things that I care about and want to listen to. And he talks about him in the way that interests Boston me. Sports. I don't listen to it in like a very but I, I don't it's entertainment, right? And mm-hmm. but I do think the thing that and the reason that this the segment came up was I'd gotten to a point of listening to the his million dollar picks where it became like oh this is entertaining let's let's see who he bet on this is kind of fun he's losing it's kind of funny that he's losing hope no one's losing with him oh wait he keeps losing oh my god this is now bordering on him promoting like really bad gambling which is basically like he used to do like you know, anywhere from 100k 200k through he has he had like some million dollar picks the other day and i know this isn't real money can you, and it's can you explain what this whatever. million dollar pick segment is for it's a sponsored answer. segment i think from FanDuel, where they call it million dollar picks and i think the idea of it originally was that he had a million dollars to wager each week and now it's become literally like him just <clears throat> dipping into a bankroll that's infinite and making whatever bets he can to get get himself back. I think he's probably down $6 million or something like that for the year. Um, and again, like it's hard to give picks out on air. It's hard to give winning picks out. We know it is. And like, I don't like, I think the challenge that, that I came to with Simmons was that he started the season by talking about how he wasn't going to do teasers. He realized that like, like the teasers and alternate line stuff that was like sucker stuff. And like, he's had Haralabob on before and Haralabob has like told him like alternate line stuff is bad. And like, you shouldn't take, like, he just, he's been very clear about it, but for whatever reason, Simmons doesn't listen. And the season he's done fine betting straight games. Like, I think he's got a four or five over like 17 and 12 or 18 and 13 or something like that on, on straight bets but he's lost a ton of money on these alternate line bets and these teaser parlays or whatever he does. So we thought it would be good to start a segment every week where we just analyze that process, not whether he won or lost, but the actual process and whether what he's actually suggesting is plus EV versus like what you might do if you just did a straight parlay. So we can dive into this. There were five picks that he made last week. And the first one was the Jets money line and Carolina adjusted total over 31.5. And the price on that was plus 103. 
So Rufus, what say you on that parlay? So I looked into this and based on the time that the podcast aired and some of the lines that were available at FanDuel when he, uh, or at least at the, on the picks he gave out, I assume that the lines are from, from Wednesday, um, late Wednesday afternoon. And so based on that, at the time, the Jets money line would have been minus 240 and the total on the Carolina game would have been over 36 and a half minus 104. The under would have been minus 116. So I used, what I did was I used the unabated alternate total calculator to convert that 36 and a half minus 104 to a 31 and a half. And what I got was um, the over 31 and a half is minus 186. And so if if you assumed that the Jets minus 240 was a neutral EV vet, vet so break even, like the true price was actually minus 240, um, then you would have gotten... Uh, a, a, and you assume that the over 36 and a half minus 104 at FanDuel, like if you bet the just the, the game over, um, sorry, the Carolina over 36 and a half minus 104, if we assume that's zero EV, that's the true price, um, then the then he would have been 45.9% or plus 118 basically to uh, to hit that parlay. And which is basically saying like he, by picking that alternate total, he cost himself 6.8% in expected value. So the verdict is not a good process. Jeff, you're muted. And the process by which he did this, right, is he kind of uses that like number 31 and a half to be like, oh, well, they're going to, they're definitely going to go after 31 and a half because it sounds like, I mean, what game doesn't have 31 and a half points scored in it, right? So, okay. How many points the were there scored in the game? Did, the, did that go uh, over? I don't think there were 31 and a half because That's I had the went. second half over and the second half did go over, but the second half over was like 17 or something like that. And there was it was a low scoring first half. I'm looking it up now. Again, like it's not important. What no, it happened. went over 23 to 10, but that, right. That isn't the important part. So he, so he won that so, parlay. He actually so, won the next parlay what? too. And which You know, what's funny is, so he cost himself 6.8% in expected value. But if he had parlayed the over 36 and a half, he would have actually lost the bet and he won it. So that's, and he's probably, maybe that's the worst thing that could have happened to him because he's going to keep betting. Well, let's, 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 we'll we'll, we'll listen to his podcast on Thursday and see if he does a victory lap. Um, Parlay number two was just a straight part money line parlay, which is the Panthers and the Steelers money line parlay of plus 379, which he actually won. Sounds like also kudos, kudos to Simmons. And then parlay number three was the Pats plus four and a half, Ramondre Stevenson to go over 25 receiving yards, TJ Hawkinson to go over 40 receiving yards, and that was plus 450. And this was the one that FanDuel boosted for him. So what say you on this, Rufus? So my verdict is actually that it probably is positive EV. So what I did was I I looked at use the unabated alternate lines calculator to convert plus two and a half um, to plus four and a half. I think, I believe the price at the time was plus two and a half minus one Oh five. And so that converts or minus one Oh four, sorry, which converts to the Patriots plus four and a half minus one sixty three. I used the ETR prop projections for Stevenson and Hawkinson um, and plugged those into the unabated prop simulator and got prices for those legs of 
um, minus 155 on Stevenson over 25 and a half and uh, minus actually minus 155 also for Hawkinson over 40 and a half, which is not considering any injury. Um, in reality, I would say the injury probability is probably is 5%. So, um, but that, by the way, that changes my price 15 cents. I put that in the simulator too. Um, basically we get a true price of plus 337, assuming these are all uncorrelated and I believe them. I, I don't, I, I would assume if anything, actually Pat's plus four and a half and Stevenson over receiving might be a little uncorrelated or like negatively correlated, but as someone who watched, watches the Pats a lot more, Jeff, you could tell me just the thought that a running back is getting more u- utilized in the passing game when they're the team's behind. Yeah. I would kind of say very little correlation there. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I don't think it's so, negative or positive. It's just no correlation. But but so the plus three thirty seven is assuming that the Pats plus four and a half minus one sixty three is or the Pats plus two and a half minus one hundred four was ne- um was neutral EV it, it would you know it would be a little bit higher if you just took the mid price there but at the same time um, it still would be so the, the long and short part of it Rufus that's to shorten but, this out it's like that that was a positive so it's good, good FanDuel is actually boosting. FanDuel is actually no, but I mean FanDuel boosted it, right? So hey, bet, uh, betting, be curious, betting a be, positive EV promo is a good process. Yeah, it'd be curious to know how much people could bet because my my guess is they probably like chalk that one up as almost like a promotion, right? And they put that in the promotion bucket as the EV they're giving up. Okay, final one, um, which was the Pats plus four and a half the under 52 and a half in that game. And then the chief's money line. Uh, that's his third one where he prices that at plus one Oh two. Okay. Jeff, you told me before that the, the plus four and a half and the under 52 and a half together was minus minus one fifteen, And then after, yeah, the that's chief's what he said. Line. That's what he said it was. And then he added the chiefs to it. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is a pretty straightforward one. First off, there's basically no correlation between plus four and a half and under 52 and a half. Um, yeah, there's, you know, underdogs and unders, that's a narrative. Um, but at this point, like there is not the four and a half and 52 and a half do not show real correlation. So we can treat these as independent. Uh, we convert using unabated. We convert under 42 and a half minus 114 to under 52 and a half minus 384. And we convert Pats plus two and a half minus one of four to Pats plus four and a half minus 163. So together, those should pay plus 103. And that's saying, Jeff, that the, the lines FanDuel offered for the primary markets, not the alternate lines, the primary markets, if those were the true prices, meaning that, which, you know, they're taking VIG. So we're saying, like, we're, we're assuming 0% EV if you parlayed under 42 and a half minus 114 and Pats plus two and a half minus 104, right? But this parlay is plus 103 before you even add in the Chiefs. And that part is, you know, you're getting minus 115. So right there, those two are costing you 7.9% EV. So that's a very bad process. And then Chiefs minus 1,200 using the the line at the time of FanDuel was minus 15 and a half, minus 112. The money line equivalent's minus 1012 um, instead of, I think you said it was minus 1,200. So um, that's not going to affect the EV as much, but... um, it is a bad process and he's costing himself money there. Okay. So give us feedback. Let us know if you like this segment, let us know if there's other mainstream media people you'd like us to cover on this segment to break down their picks and figure out like 
why teasing through zero is a bad idea, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and um, we'll start doing more of these if you guys like them. And Let's I think um, now go, go ahead, Rufus. And, and Jeff, I think what I wanted to show here was like, even if you like the Patriots for the game, betting that alternate point spread is worse than betting the primary market, right? Bet, even if you liked the, the under on the game, betting the alternate total of 52 and a half and, and laying the price you're laying there is worse than betting the under 42 and a half. And I think that's the fair point, right? And the thing to take away here, which is ultimately that, you know, when you think about games like blackjack switch or like Spanish blackjack or any of those alternate games that they come up with in the casino, they all sound super fun and interesting and like, oh yeah, who wouldn't want to do that? Who who doesn't think 31 and a half points is going to be scored or who thinks the, the Patriots and the, you know, the, the Vikings are going to be able to get over 52 and a half points because like that seems right. really safe, but the reality is you're paying for it by the VIG they're producing. And also they're not offering these to you to help you make more money. They're offering this to you to entice you to lose more money. There are times when they're alter that where there are edges on alternate spreads. Right. But, and, and. That's why you see unabated line calculator, which I, but very, know. not very often, right? Um, not as a rule, not as a rule. Exactly. And so I, I guess okay. what we're saying here is, is I think everybody understands the value of line shopping to get the best price and that reduces the house edge. So, you, you know, you have a less, a higher or a lower threshold you have to overcome. A fewer, fewer, a fewer threshold. threshold. Um, yeah. But what, what Simmons was doing here was in essence, the opposite of line shopping. He was taking right. a price. He was that finding made the worst threshold lines. more. Yep. Higher. <laughs> fewer. I was All like, right, what's the opposite of fewer? What's the opposite of fewer? More. Let's more. Let's more welcome rare. in the guest, our guest, our guest. Here he comes. And we'll talk to you guys on the other side. We now welcome in our good friend and uh what a repeat guest. A guest that we have quite often. Um, probably not often enough. The sports cheetah. Preston Johnson. So Preston, first off, are you no longer the cheetah because you are officially a professional sports team owner? I don't even know. The cheetah doesn't even mean anything anyway. So I can still be the cheetah, I think, but Preston's also fine. It's all good. Okay. So we will refer to you as the cheetah, as we said, and tell us what you've been up to. Do you remember the last time you were on this? Hmm. Eben and I were on, I think like in the, in the yeah. summer when we, then we've kind of, first it was like, right. Playing. It was like during the warrior Celtics or right before the warrior Celtics NBA finals. finals. Yeah. 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 And I the, think the we one, were the all pretty sure. Yeah. The, I think we we're all pretty sure golden state was going to win, but you didn't want to admit it. It's okay though. Cause you guys are about to set the record for offensive rating in a season this year. And actually I, I last I looked, you guys had 112 at the end of the third quarter tonight. So I don't know what you ended up with, but you guys are unstoppable. Well, it's interesting though because of our losses, we've only really lost to the Bulls and the Cavs, which is hilarious, right? Yeah, I don't know how that actually happens. Um, we've lost to them both of them twice. I don't know if we've lost five games. What are who are their losses? To? Oh, well, their loss must be just someone shitty. Anyways, I don't want to be, turn this into like a Bill Simmons podcast where all <laughs> the we talk about the Celtics. Somehow, like Simmons always turns it to a Boston team, which I appreciate his ability to do that because. I wish I could do that. And we are actually going to touch on Simmons at some point during this podcast because we've decided that it's time for us to 
evaluate his million dollar picks from a standpoint of how minus EV they really are, or even to guide you on how to do that. Maybe we'll do that with you later, but talk to us a little bit about what you've been up to since the last time we talked to you. Sure. So we, and you know, a group of us, you guys included, uh, bought an English football club South of London called Crawley town football club. And that was over the summer when we were talking last, the season started in August, end of August, and we've been playing games and trying to win games and had, uh, I would say like a one percentile roll of the dice. If we were to break it all down from nine days after acquiring the club, being told by the football association that our manager at the time was under investigation for racism and discrimination, we had to get rid of him. We had to then find an entirely new coaching staff to a bunch of interviewing. Um, we had planned on going into the season, just learning, like spending a year trying to figure out like what works, what doesn't, um, how can we implement data in a successful, efficient way. And ended up just like getting thrown into this fire where we had to just kind of trust the people we thought were best at making decisions and would be the best to lead the team. And, and we, and I don't regret the the decision. We, we hired Kevin Betsy from Arsenal's under 23 team. Uh, and and the assistant, Dan Machichi, uh, because they're a pretty high variance bet. They had no experience coaching at our level. Um, but one thing we told people from from the get-go is that like we're not risk averse. Like we're we're trying to land someone that gives us a good chance of actually achieving promotion and you know sustaining at a higher level one day. So um we took a pretty big bet. We also had, you know, our starting keeper and our starting four center backs in the defensively um hurt within the first two games. So I think Kevin got a really bad roll of the dice there as well, where we were trying to play a certain style out of the back that was immediately thwarted because we didn't have the guys to play that style. And he was trying to play a style he wasn't accustomed to. Um, I think we lost Rufus, but hopefully he gets back. I know he's in New York City now, probably dealing with Wi-Fi issues. But it was a, it was a challenging time. We didn't win enough games. We ended up having to let Kevin go. Um, then an assistant, Lewis Young, took over. He did steady the ship. We were able to win some games. We're in a much... We're not entirely safe, obviously. We're still, I think we're in 19th on the table of 24 and the bottom two get relegated, but uh, we've we've worked our way back up. And then we just hired uh, Matthew Etherington and Simon Davies to now lead the squad moving forward. Um, that was just earlier this week. So first game Saturday under their helm. So what was the reasoning behind hiring Matthew? Was there was there something about him that you guys liked? Like what what... In terms of like hiring a coach, which it seems like that's been sort of the most important thing that you guys have done. And, and I mean, do you think that you would have kept uh, Yems the whole season if this hadn't happened, the the investigation? The plan was to give him a season at the same time. If we weren't performing well, I mean, we would have made the decisions we needed. Do you to know make. if he was open to analytical decisions and higher variance risk taking and that kind of thing? I mean, he said yes, but, but now that what we've learned so far is that everyone in England says they are, and they're definitely not, uh, which has been the biggest thing we've learned to this point. And is that, I mean, we is were, that England or do you think that's people in sports in general? Right. Because like anyone that's from ooh, the establishment, question. meaning like they've actually worked their way through what is a pretty strong infrastructure, meaning like the English league or any of these soccer leagues, they, they've been around. I mean, how long has the NFL been around? like 60 years or something like that. Mm -hmm. These leagues have been around hundreds, like over a hundred years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's just it's, like, if you think about establishment, this is the ultimate in establishment, right? It's a fair, it's a fair point. Like they're the most traditional of any real like league and professional sport in the world. I, 
my guess is that you're partly right though that a lot of people say oh yeah we look at data we incorporate analytics but just don't actually um and but my my guess is that it's still a a bigger favorite in in England especially like league 2 level uh and and you know that was one of the mistakes i think that part of the excuse is well we were just thrown into this 9 days in and we had to just try to do our best on the fly but also it was my fault and i take blame for being someone that was very process oriented and driven for you know over a decade betting on sports and then not um not trusting that math, no matter what, even if you don't know football or not, because I didn't know soccer slash football much at all prior to this, but math still plays out over time. Like the process still is the, the process over time and it doesn't really matter what industry or, or walk of life. And so um, that's something that we were extremely um, concerned and we prioritized going into this next hire was that one, I am going to have, and in some of the other people on our team, more a, of a, a hand and pulse on everything we do, um, not only macro picture as far as player signings or decisions, but literally week to week, game to game. Uh, and then we needed to find people like Matthew and Simon that were open and willing to take risk and actually incorporate the data at the level we would like. And so, um, and also that's open to letting us put cameras everywhere and like try to get some real um, content and engagement, which has kind of always been part of our strategy from the get-go um, longer term. So uh, it was a mix of that on top of the fact that, you know, both of those guys, I would say, you know, one thing that happened with Kevin is he just kind of month and a half into the season lost the the, the dressing room or the locker room. Uh, as far as players just kind of started losing respect for him, they weren't playing as hard. The energy just wasn't there anymore. Uh, Matthew and Simon are both guys that used to play in the Premier League. I think they have like 1,100 starts between the two in the Premier League. Like they're guys that the players now absolutely look up to. They know these guys know football. And the energy at training this week, at practices this week, was um, extraordinary so far. So uh, we'll give them credit for that. That was kind of one piece that we also wanted to make sure. So the team has the embraced hire. this hiring? Yeah, they have. The fans haven't because they're like young guys that have never coached in the EFL before. But again, we wanted to take a higher variance bet. We're not risk averse here. But so the fans actually are like, oh, you're you're hiring Kevin again, which is just not the case in our eyes. Um, but when we're OK with it regardless. And the players themselves, though, have, have absolutely um, had a positive reaction. So that's all that ultimately matters. So what makes you think that uh, Matthew and Simon will not you know, like, cause ultimately it's one thing to say what you, what's the right thing to say when you, when you're trying to get a job, but then when push yep, comes yep. to shove, what makes you think that they'll be any different than the, than the past? Um, well, I guess I can just be blunt about it. Uh, there's two things first. And if people Google Matthew Etherington's name, uh, he had, he has a gambling history. Uh, he was a player. He lost, I don't remember the number. I don't want to misquote it, but a few million pounds in gambling losses, like playing poker with teammates on flights and um, probably other stuff. I honestly, personally, I think he did. He listened to it. Like, he had a podcast he did a few years back. This is like 2009. It's like 13, 14 years ago. He's way past it. But um, that part of this, I thought was really interesting uh, because one, he wasn't someone I think that anyone else would really give a shot which means there's actually a real chance that he's an incredible coach and manager, but because of that history, he's kind of like this uncovered diamond in the rough in theory of some percentage of the time. We also knew he had an appetite for risk. And we told him that in the interview straightforward in his face, like one of the reasons we're talking to you right now is that you did have that 
incident back in 2009 or whatever, a couple of years, it was over a course of a few years. Uh, so if we want to do some stuff that's creative and take risk, which um, we just haven't been allowed to do yet, to be quite frank, and haven't had the people willing to do it, uh, then you're like, this is the perfect marriage. Like, let's do this. And so that that was a main piece of it. Um, and the second part of it is we we constructed the actual contract to be a little more um, straightforward and, and lay out like, these are some of the things that are important to us on the football pitch, um, in training sessions and in games and like the data, this, the analytics, this. Uh, and so as we laid those out, it's like, it's in their contract. So in, in a sense, we, we haven't like handcuffed them completely in any way. Like we will still want to give them freedom to make decisions, but if there's like a 50, 50 decision, we're going to trust them. That's what they do. But if there's like the data says this and it's obvious and like, we're just going to go with it. So, um, some of the decisions will be clear and they're just going to go with what the data says. And then there'll be others where they have to make the call. So every one of us, like, you know, you, me, probably six of our seven listeners has always wanted to own a sports team. And they've always said, like, when I own a sports team, I'm going to do it this way. It sounds like the first, whatever, eight months, nine months of your time as a sports owner, you didn't do it that way. You didn't do it the way that you had said. What Mm -hmm. do you think held you back from doing that? Uh, it was the combination of the excuse part, cause it is an excuse, but it's that we nine days in, we had to just totally reshuffle and we weren't ready. And so we just wanted to trust the guys that we put in place to do it. Um, and that didn't work. And then the second part was the reason we did it that way was because neither Eben or myself knows football, football. Right. Yes. We know analytics, we know game theory, we know the numbers, the process, but part of me didn't want to trust that because what if football is different? And everyone told us it was, I mean, not everyone. I mean, obviously you've had success stories with Brentford and, and Brighton and gamblers that have taken over clubs and moved them up from league two to the Premier league. So like part of us knew it was the case, but we didn't know how we really wanted to spend a year learning. And so I would say that was the thing that um, held us back. But what we found out is that going through this to this point is uh, the math is just the math over time. It just it doesn't matter what the, the walk of industry it is. It's just, it's going to play out. Uh, we need to trust it. And our data to this point is really, really poor. And so we need to make adjustments and, and play differently and find what works and, and trust that the data you know, here or there is um, something to, to believe in and, and, and kind of shape our vision going forward through. So uh, it's, a, it's a fair question though, but it's, I would say it's kind of a two-part, wow, nine days in, we really have to change what our plan was. And then just not trusting that analytics and data and process-driven decision-making would work because we didn't know football yet, which is just wrong. It just is going to work either way. And so that's the biggest mistake I think we made there. Yeah. It actually kind of reminds me a little bit of like the general idea that like really smart business people start owning football teams and they like American football teams and they make terrible mm-hmm. business decisions or terrible decisions. You're like, these people are successful and rich in their everyday life. Why did they do this? And it's because they probably didn't have the conviction and their ability to know that sport and think it's different. Yep. Sorry, Jeff's coughing for a second. Rufus, welcome back, by the way. Thank you. I accidentally kicked the um, power cord, I guess. And the internet takes like 10 minutes to reset here somehow. So, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to finally listen to the podcast actually <laughs> listen to what the you first. said, because I'm actually, I was like, I'm jealous that I missed it. 
you, yeah, you got like a nice little summary there that minute, yeah. but uh, we can we all, can probably like edit a, this part out. So we we got we got through the Crowley Town part, and we can either keep going on that or we can shift into something else. Well, really quickly, I want to say I, I'm kind of surprised though at what you said there because I would have thought that the bigger well, mistake just, people make. Just, then, then, can wait, I can I say what I'm saying right now? No, Rufus. Then just let's record this. Let's start this up and just say we're like being, we're, we're recording. I know. Okay. Okay. Go. Preston, that kind of surprises me. And Jeff, like your reaction there, just that like I would have expected that the bigger mistake people make is assuming that their knowledge in one industry translates to another, basically not knowing what they don't know um, and mm-hmm. and just kind of having a little too much hubris. And um, well, I think that's weird. part of it. I think I was I think that I was concerned or worried about that. Exactly. Right. And I didn't. And so that it like re- had the reverse effect. Um but I totally, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. But I think that was part of it is I knew that existed and I didn't want that to happen. Well, I think what you've done so well, though, is listen to people and and had an inclusive process. And I think the Crawley Town supporters and fans like who I think a lot of them were wary at first. Right. But you mm-hmm. I think you've shown them just the way you conduct yourself and the way you listen and and are gathering opinions and consensus that, you know, it that that you care and that you're not like oh this we're going to do it this way because this is how like we're americans and that's what we do we just do everything our way sure i would say i mean we from the get-go we've tried to be open and transparent and, and they were definitely worried early on some are less worried obviously the start we had was super slow and people were more worried than they are now but as a whole um like eben would say that that was maybe a mistake though that not not the being open and transparent part but the listening to the fans and letting them impact some of our, like, for example, Jeff referenced the lack of conviction to make the decisions you need to make. And so it's, it's really, it's a really hard balance to have. It's just everyone, you know, that's trying to run a sports team or, or, or club. It's the, they face the same thing. How do you listen to the fans, but then and make them feel included and appreciated, but while still making the decisions you have to make for the betterment of the success long-term for the club or franchise. So it's a really tough balance. Yeah. I think involving the fans or making them feel included in the community is probably better than allowing them to make personnel decisions. Sure. Just if if they're anything like American fans. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting because at the end end of the day, like this whole thing that we're talking about is literally like some of the things we talk about with leadership 101, which is how to like win people over to some degree. And the idea of the decisions you make being unpopular is okay as long as you can actually like understand or make people understand the reasoning behind your decisions or the thought process behind your decisions. There's also like aspects of like showing empathy and whatnot, which is probably like the more human side of things, because there's been people talking about this in the lens of the way that Elon is going about the whole Twitter thing, because Mm -hmm. like in many ways, what Elon's doing and, um, I think a lot of it's right as someone that's been at it's Twitter cutthroat, uh, like yeah. it's, it's, it's a tough thing, but I, I think a lot of the decisions he's making are in some respects, correct. I think his style and doing it is not something that I would do. And that, that is sort of the empathy behind how you make decisions and how you kind of win people over at the end of the day. So I think it's challenging. I think it's challenging what you guys have gone through. So what, what's really been the most challenging thing that you faced in this time frame? The most, ooh, all right, we can get into this a little bit. Like I would say the number one thing I underestimated the most going into this was how much I would let 
the, the fan noise affect me and affect my mindset. Um, like to give some like perspective or for some context for people like, uh, so for example, every college football Saturday, American football Saturday, I, you know, when I was betting, I'd have like six figures in action. That's pretty high stakes. And I, I'm just telling you, it does not compare anywhere near the stakes when you're playing with people's livelihoods, like over there, football, soccer, everywhere, but the United States is life. They eat, sleep, and then this is their club. And, you know, the closest thing I think to relate as an American is probably high school football, Texas, Friday Night Lights, uh, where you have that type of passion and tribalism around a town and a team. Um, but it's still like not as close to like football in England. It just really isn't. And so for me, it was like money and betting, betting every Saturday after a few years, it just becomes you're emotionless to it, right? You're just used to the swings and it just, it is what it is. But what I wasn't prefer- prepared for was to be emotionless about other people's emotions like I didn't practice that. And so that, that like really got to me, especially early on in like August, September, when we were, we had such a poor start. Um, and so I've, I've had to deal with that this year. It's been pretty tough. And I don't know if we want to go down like a, a whole macro, like kind of like mental health road or not. I know Rufus would eat that shit up, but it, it's been like a pretty tough <laughs> few months for me on top of like the heavy cancer stuff too. It's just like, it was a lot. And it's just been like a, a whole thing. And then this obviously just didn't help when we started so slow. Can I ask Preston, was it pressure you put on yourself or did it come from the reactions of fans? And then that put pressure on you, which kind of created this cycle. It was, hmm. I mean, obviously I'm putting pressure on myself to some yeah. degree. And then, and then the reactions are like pretty obvious, but we you know what it really was is when I, I've been the one that's traveled there the most and actually been there working with the staff, working with the team meeting the people around the community and you just see like literally people and i say this and it's not being you know hyperbolic it's it's what they it's all they care about and they they work so that they can have food have a bed and and follow correlate on football club and so things aren't going well you just you just really feel like you're letting them down and and it's really hard for me to to deal with um because i i feel like it was my fault and it probably was to some degree so it's uh yeah it's a, a mind fuck as they say sorry mom if you're listening but it's it's like really it just it just it had me in, a, in, a, in this like weird kind of like circular Your mom's one of the seven wow yeah maybe eight, she finds out i'm on this episode yeah you know so a, a kind of parallel something i hadn't thought of i was talking to um adam levitan from establish the run mm-hmm. the other week and he said that the prop picks they give out like he wishes they didn't give any out because he just, he, it makes him so nervous because he knows that like, if they yeah. lose, people are going to like be upset and he just feels this obligation and it's just so much pressure. And he's like, you know, I've, he's but bet that's a lot like, of money, that's he's, like a, but he's bet a lot of money himself. And he's like, it's nothing like that to me. Like yeah. this, this I know, is I know, so much I know, more pressure because that's at the- I know, I know how to handle like Preston, you know how to handle losses gambling, right? You know how to take feedback, you know, get criticism, from I mean both of us, all three of us, I should say, know how to take criticism from uh for the stuff we've done on air. But there's other people that might Preston, make Preston not. was actually good on air. So I Preston know. was good. So so he didn't well, take as much criticism. But the, the better you are, the the more feedback you get in general, I think. You know, Positive it's it's, it, it's interesting because so I've thought about that exact thing where I was like, I, I'm used to this. I've given out so many plays and suggested bets that have lost. And I, you know, people would yell at you online or whatever. 
but I got used to that. And it, this is like, and, and so I understand where Adam's coming from. Cause like that bugged me for a while too. Uh, especially when you're winning, you don't get any praise really at all. No one actually reaches out. It's only if you're losing. So it's like this really unbalanced, like lead, uh, feedback loop, um, internally the, again, it's the stakes thing where like, this is like a whole different game versus money and and even people's feelings about money where I do know in the end, they're hitting submit on a bet that I thought was good that lost. So, uh, totally see where Adam's coming from. And I just, again, it's like trying to compare the two. Now for me, I can just, this is just like a whole other tier. See, I, I don't have the experience with either of those. So for me, it's, no. <laughs> what do you mean? How long were you actually on air for at ESPN? Oh, was well, it? I think my picks went like one in 15 or, I mean, no, they weren't that bad, but they were. <laughs> and you also good. sold, you also sold picks on establish the run. Oh, oh, the, too soon. Too soon. Uh, <laughs> too soon. There's no picks. There's no the picks. golf projection. Too, too yeah, soon. Too, too, too soon. soon. Too soon. Um, no, it's actually fascinating to think about because I think the notion of caring about our own losses, like the whole reason that like when people ask me for a pick, they're like, oh, what are you betting? And I'm like, I just never want to tell them because I never yeah. want to be that person that costs them money. And that's the biggest reason, like, I don't like to give out picks and whatnot. And and luckily, like, the one place that I've given out picks over the last three years or whatever is the Tony Kornheiser podcast and literally been in Fuego in that for the last three years, Um, up again, like, 10 or 11 games over 500 or something like that. And it's like, nice. he must be a savant. Then, I, I, I'm a little bit of a savant these days, but like, no, it, uh, it, it is fascinating though. And then if you take this one level more, which is like that passion. So we all have that passion for our teams that we used to care about more than anything. Those teams that we would want, like for Rufus, you, it's you, it's the, the Orioles. I think 100 for me, it, it's for me, it used to be the Red Sox. And honestly, that all changed. I mean, these days it's probably, it's either the Celtics or the Patriots, but like there is a world where, you know, like last week we ran the numbers, our model actually liked the Patriots minus, uh, sorry, it actually liked the Vikings minus two and a half, three versus the Patriots on uh, Thanksgiving. And, and I literally could just stop. I didn't bet it. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I was like, I'm not betting it. Cause I just don't want to ruin my Thanksgiving by having a game where I have to, and, and honestly, like if I had bet the Vikings, and the page and the Vikings had still won, it would have been very hollow. I wouldn't even give a shit about how much money I'd won. I'd be like, whatever. So it's just not worth oh, what it. If- but like that whole idea transcends. Yeah. There's probably a number that if I had bet, like then I would be, I'd be fine, you'd but prefer it's, it. it's, yeah. it's, 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 a pre- it's a pretty high number. What? I said, I bet on Iran. You bet on Iran. Yeah. That was oh that gave God. me one of those interesting uh, sweats where I'm like, I don't know what I want to have happen. Were you like, we a, well, so were you it, happy like, or sad? We had a big or... bet on Iran. Well, just because, sorry. What was the line? I don't even know. We like, got, did you get a goal we got or something? Plus or? 340 um, on the three way money line. And we took some plus one even money, I think, and mm-hmm. some plus 200 two way line somewhere around there. Maybe it, it just steamed so much right before the game began. And so were you happy? Were you happy when the U.S. won, or were you unhappy? I was happy. I, I was. I was. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I. I wasn't overjoyed. I'll put it that way. But I was happier than I would have been had they drawn, which would have basically meant I broke even, and the U.S. didn't qualify. So I would have rather had the U.S. qualify and me lose than that. If Iran had won, that would have been like almost six figures. So I would have 
probably been happy with that. Just because I don't eat, breathe, and sleep the U.S. men's national team, except like I, I definitely root for them hard during the World Cup. But you know, now I'm now I'm probably going to be on all the terrorist watch lists because I just said this. So probably a mistake. There I don't even my know what that means. Okay, I'm not patriotic. Um, do we want to talk a little bit about? other sports are you still following other sports tito or do we want to revisit do we want to visit some of the questions that people have asked us on the twitter about uh that we should oh here's a good one can i can i before we move on to that jeff i wanted to ask preston though like how are you actually how are you coping with this have you had any sort of processes to like have you learned how to deal with it in any way all the pressure Ooh. uh Short short answer, no. Um, here I'll, I'll just say this, Jeff. Apologize. It's like two minutes. I want to talk about this. I actually been thinking about it the last few days. I'm good uh, with it. Go for it. And I've never spoken this out loud, so I hope I can like articulate it a little bit. But I've just been thinking it over. Um, so I want to set the table a little bit. When I was when I grew up in in high school. And in early college, I had friends that were suffering um, like at a life-threatening level from just mental health stuff. And so uh, is actually I, when I went into college, I was a statistics major as a freshman, but I switched to psychology because I wanted to try to just like learn and educate myself about that side of things and then eventually maybe help people out. Um, but, you know, I was, I was like young, I wasn't very wise about it, but I was always trying to be like a proponent of mental health and, um, but what the thing that was the most painful about it was uh I never could grasp how someone would get to the point where they were hurting so much inside or just so sad that they would prefer to just give up than actually try to figure stuff out. And the fact that anyone could ever feel that way, like no one deserves to feel that way, like it, it really ate me up inside. And so um, but what I did know was that people did feel that way. And I even if I couldn't relate to them, I should be there to support them like the best way I could. And and in this year, I would say, uh, for a combination of the football stuff and just feeling that pressure and like letting people, letting fans down, plus the cancer scare. And you know, I mentioned to you guys before the show, I haven't, I didn't have, I didn't get great news on a scan a couple of days ago, um, which we don't need to get into the details. But like it was, it was just really heavy. It was a lot, and I've, I've been trying to, um you know, I'm fighting and battling, but there's other people out there that are fighting and battling at like a much more severe level. So I don't want to like disrespect that, but I at least got a glimpse, I think this year on like how those people can get to that point, which is pretty scary. And so, um, last thing, just like, it sucks. Cause I've always been like a, a life lover. Like I grew up super blessed. I was always comfortable and I knew it. I recognized it early on, always tried to make the most of opportunities, but like just try to help others when I could. I've, I genuinely love people and learning from them. I feel like everyone has a unique something that you can learn from that can improve your own life. And then at the same time, I'm trying to show them that they're appreciated and special. And I'm a, I'm a pretty relatable person in that I have like a lot of scattered interests. So I can connect people, but it's also why I'm excited about life all the time. There's always something to look forward to. And I, I hate that. Uh, I hate that this year, I, just, I haven't always felt that way. Um, and I feel like I've, I've like lost something, uh, a piece of myself. And so it's been really tough. I feel like I've like let a lot of people down, like I referenced earlier and like my self-esteem's taken a big hit and, um, and it sucks. It's, it's really hard. And so I just, I just, when Rufus asked, I was like, 
I, I might as well just like lay it out because it's been this really interesting process of trying to figure out how to cope with it. And um, so when he asked, have I, I'll just be honest and say, no, I'm not sure, Rufus, if you've watched Stutz yet. Um, the Jonah Hill documentary where he talks to his therapist and he just does it in the open. And it's pretty cool. I watched it over the weekend. It's worth checking out. I just came out last week, I think, but um, there's just so much to learn and, and, and try to try to solve on that front. And, and I'll be right. It, it, I'm, I'm in a really good place in a, in a macro picture, but it's, it's, it's interesting going from someone that never understood how people could get there and starting to like have some of those sentiments um, for the first time and and then coping with it. That's, that's tough. And, and Preston, thank you for sharing that. And I, you know, I, I have, I have a lot of thoughts in my head and I'm not sure how to articulate them actually. Right. Sorry. Right. You don't even have to respond. It, it doesn't matter yeah. to me, but it helps to talk it through, to be honest with people that I know love me and are just here to help and are supportive. And everyone out there has been ever since I even made the announcement about the cancer and like that encouragement goes a long way. So, so anything on that front, I, I appreciate everyone out there. And Preston, I don't think anything with Crawley Town, like, I mean, you said your self-esteem has taken a hit, but like, who are you as a, like, who are you as a human being? Like, what defines you? I would say it isn't whether, it, it's not your analytical success, in my opinion. I think that's, you know, that's how I, that's how we all sure. connected, but that's not who you are as a person. You guys, you guys know, I, I grew up like in a super religious household, right? Um whether you believe in an afterlife or not. Wait, are you Christian matter. or not? Yes. yes. Mormons are Christian. We believe in Jesus. Well, okay, actually, didn't Rufus ask that like two years ago on an episode? No, that was the whole joke. That was the joke. Yeah. No, that's like, these are deep seated jokes to create yeah, that was, a little bit of a very, in a very um, somber and serious and important moment. But anyways, wait, uh, no, you were it's, saying, it's all gonna, I was just going to, I was just going to say like, whether you believe in an afterlife or not, I don't think it actually matters. You know, what's important is the here and now. And what I do believe is that everyone has a purpose on this earth, like whatever it might be. And so I think the thing that concerns me the most, I'm not even like afraid of death, to be honest. Like it, it's, it's that I, I'm worried I haven't fulfilled the purpose. And like, then if my time is short, it's like, I just feel like I failed. And that's why I think I have this like running thought of like, I'm letting everyone down. And I don't even just mean Crawley fans, you know, I mean my own family and, and everything else. And so that just like keeps compounding. Um, at the same time, I get to the point and sometimes it dawns on me, like in the grand scheme, football, like doesn't even matter. Soccer doesn't even matter. It's a sport. Right. But then you get back in the loop of, but these fans, it's literally like what they live for and they're relying on me. So it's up to me. So it's like that, that wheel, I'm talking like a rat wheel or something where I just feel like I can't get out of it. So it's tough. But, um, to Rufus's question, like, how have I figured out how to cope with it? I think I've, uh, just been way more open about it than I would have anticipated. And like, whether it's this, but just talking to people about it and finding people that are willing to, to pay attention and be there to um, just talk me through it and, and, and be a friend. Have you found that that's helped? Oh yeah. Like absolutely. That, I mean, my personal experience is when I is basically being open about this stuff is like when I'm struggling has really, really helped me. You know, the one thing I, I've, I've really admired the most about Rufus and everyone's going to laugh at me, even Jeff, is when you talk about that stuff and then people make fun of you for it, but like you don't care because it's just, and even if it doesn't help anyone else, it's like it's there's something therapeutic about it anyways. And so it's like, just do it. He like, just digs in, the he downside, digs in deeper the, when well, that happens. It's, it's once so, the downside can, is people make fun of you. Like who cares? But the thing is the whole point of it is that if I can be comfortable with myself, then if they make fun of me, then I don't, it's not going to affect me. Right. It's like, it I've taken the sure. power away from them. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jeff's trying to find a we, counter. No, no, no. I, I, I think there's a reason for me that I don't always welcome this conversation on the pod, and it's not because I don't welcome us talking about challenging things and like, but there are people that are struggling with mental health a lot worse. And there are people that are professionals that are trained to deal with this. And so sometimes us talking about it to me is not, you know, I don't, this is going to be a reveal. I don't know if you guys know this, but my oldest sister, sister committed suicide. So did not my did oldest not sister dealt with mental health in a way that none of us know. And so for me to sit around and listen to Rufus talk about his struggles, sometimes I'm just like, okay. You know, that's, that's not, I mean, the people that are really struggling don't have ability to talk about it on a podcast. No, yeah. it's, you know, so you're, that's why I referenced right, the disrespect earlier and, on. Cause I know there's like a whole other level to it for sure. Oh, I I'm extremely lucky. I have so like, I'm so blessed in my life. And I, I, I mean, I obviously don't mean disrespect to any, to anybody in, in the far more serious things people are dealing with. But I will say, I think that if people, if as a society, we're more open about this stuff, and I think we're becoming much more open and transparent about and, and prioritizing mental health more as a society, or at least talking about it and destigmatizing it. I think that, I mean, the thing, you know, I'll be honest, like helping people become better, betters is not super fulfilling to me, but what's fulfilling to me is when people reach out to me, like, and I can actually help them and connect on a personal level. And I think that to me, that makes a, I mean, that, that makes me feel fulfilled and I would like to be able, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people feel like there's nobody they can talk to. And I mean, I mean, I certainly think opening the communication and the ability for people to talk about things when they're struggling specifically as it pertains to sports betting, where we know that there's some real like down, you know, there's down moments for sure. And like hearing someone like Rufus, who's one of the most feared sports bettors in the world, talk about down moments in betting. I, I definitely think that helps people feel like there's, you know, someone out there and what, whatnot that is, you know, purported to be so much better and so great at betting, but yet still goes through the exact same things that, that, that you or I, or whomever is going through. So I, I, I don't, I, I agree that this kind of stuff is good for us to talk about on the podcast. I just want to make sure that we understand like how deep this is as an issue. And we, as a podcast are not, we're not geared to talk about mental health in the way that we should be now, like hearing cheetah, struggles and how he got through it. And, and the, the idea of like, you know, like, I don't know if you guys have ever done personality types, but like cheetah, I'm not sure if you, what personality type you are on from an Enneagram perspective, but letting someone down, I know for you probably is a very high, high thing that is not something that you want to do. And like, for me, the, my biggest personality type is that I, I, I always want to please people. I always want people to like me. And if I do let people down, then ultimately I feel like I've, I've really failed. Right. Yeah. So it's a whole, it's just a whole, a whole, a whole thing that I think like at times doesn't always belong on our podcast, but like with a good friend, I agree. We can chat about it. Fair enough. Thank so, you guys. 
Thank you. All right. Let's lighten things up by having a couple things. One, a listener submitted this. We're going to we're going to do one listener question, maybe two, and then we'll do our seven questions from our seven listeners for our guest, which I'm sure you've heard. So hopefully you're prepared for them. A hundred three point shots between Rufus and Cheetah. What's the spread? <laughs> Wait, should we all come up with the answers independently? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's and then, do that. And then yeah, yeah. I, I've totally seen Peter. I know, and I know Adam my answer. I've, I've already thought about it. Before. I've already thought about it. Uh, Wait, I've wait, never these, seen Rufus shoot. From like, are these from all corner? Threes? I've never seen Rufus shoot either. But I, from one he, spot, he for contends all that he's. He we'll say twenty he from each of the three-point contest spots, so not all the corner. Okay. Evenly distributed around the arc, and they're not NBA threes. Rufus has said he's actually an okay shooter, but like I yeah, don't but I haven't, I haven't played I haven't played basketball in like a year though. So. Okay, my I'll give you guys my answer. My answer is cheetah minus twenty. I <laughs> uh, my answer was cheetah minus thirty five. Okay, I would bet both of those in like without any any number any amount. I mean, I was guessing. I, I mean, it definitely you, starts with a four. So you're you're going to make seventy percent. Yeah, my stand still three Probably. around a college line is going to be around there on average. But a hundred is like a pretty small sample. But you know. would we be able to warm up? And I don't know if you can make a third of your threes. I, 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 no, I, I, I was thinking. Like what would you have? What would you have? I was thinking. If I was thinking, if I, could, have I was thinking a quarter. A quarter. You and I. Just given that we could shoot, you're shooting from the same spot, and if I could, yeah, I was going to say 41 and a half, and, assuming you yeah. could make 25. Was like kind of where I was thinking, and that gave me like four to five room. Uh, Jeff, you, I've seen you shoot. You actually, even though your shot, if I remember, is like flat as hell, but it goes in yeah. more than it should. Um, we're, I don't know if you're probably like a 35 to 40 percent standstill three point shooter. Maybe you're a little better if you're just shooting a bunch. Wow. Of I probably, probably, my guess is probably about 40. I, I don't know. Like so then, yeah, so then our, our line's like 29 and a half to 30 and a half range. Yeah. Preston, what would that, okay. What would it be for free throws? Like what would be your, what's your free throw rate if you're just shooting a hundred straight? Look, here, here's the thing that people don't know much about my muscle memory is just randomly like really good. At, like, like I'm a really good bowler and I don't bowl very often. Um, like I, 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 sh- I should shoot like between 90 and 95% in a sample of a hundred from the free throw line. Now it's different. I want to, I want to make something clear when you're playing an NBA game and you're running up and down and the physicality, like it's really hard to shoot 90 plus percent. It's different for me when I go to the gym and just shoot a bunch of free throws. Like Steph probably makes 99% of his free throws in a practice session. Um, so I, I don't know how many free throws you can make Rufus out of a hundred, but I, I'm, I'm in the nineties probably more often than not. So. I'll say, so I, I lived in a building that had a basketball um, court back mm, in Boston. Shot a lot of free throws, huh? I actually did. I shot a lot of free throws because it was so like- that's your hustle. Building. It, wasn't, it wasn't wide enough to have a full three-point line out there, but it had a free yeah, throw yeah. line and you could have a three-point top of the key and like to the sides. And So we shoot I, threes, I you lose, was, and then you say, hey, double or triple the bet and then shoot free throws and you beat me. That, that would have worked. I got, I got very good, long at the full court shots. <laughs> that's a good one too. That, that's a hustle right there. I'll be like, yeah, I'll do it baseball style. Like, and I could, I could get it pretty close. And and have you guys heard about one in 15 or uh, so? There's this guy from Indiana who moved to Vegas. He's a professional poker player, started like doing prop bets professionally and just hustling people around. I I don't know his name. I'd have to ask a friend of mine. Um, But people stopped betting with him after a while, but he was really, he played basketball. I think like a D three or D two. He's a really, really, really good shooter. Like one of the best that there is. So he'd hustle a bunch of people. He won money that way. But then he started figuring out, he couldn't make any more money doing that. So he started doing things that are like really obscure 
that were like similar. So for example, I know he would, he would offer this prop bet to people at the poker table. Um, one of the par three at a course in Vegas, I couldn't tell you which one he would say, I get to stand on top of the tee box. It was 140 yards out down a slope. And he said, I get five golf balls. And this is not a joke. He would bet, will I make one of them or not? And he would win more often than not. He would bet in a room, standing in a room, a big room with a quarter and say, I can throw this to the wall over there and land it within an inch of the side of the wall. Yes or no. And he would do it way more often than not. He had like such touch at a level that like no one's ever heard of. And anyway, no one actually bets with him anymore, but I forget his name, but anyways, Wait, one in five hole in ones from 140 yards from 140 yards. There's no way. He would throw it. I know it doesn't oh, he, seem he, real. He, and he, I, oh, oh, he wouldn't hit. He would not use he wouldn't a, hit a golf club. He would okay. throw it. Yeah. He'd throw a ball. Five chances, and he would put one in more often than he wouldn't. That doesn't. It doesn't seem real. But I wait, know wait, multiple people have seen it happen. Not yards, though. They, that's throwing. throwing it's a down a slope. Ball. It was this specific okay. one that was like down a hill or slope that he had down that. In my, yeah. No, it was one forty. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, either way, it's still sick. I don't know how that happens. But anyway, that that's like the. He's like a legend. But wow. Yeah. So we'll never get to that point in our life. Yeah. I think I made, I, I was making like in the 70, 75% occasionally I would get in the low eighties with my free throws. So, Oh, that's really I, good. Okay. That's not, no, I mean, not really. Cause I mean, I mean, I'm just shooting them in a row. If you're a 20% three point shooter, that's really good. Well, I think I'm better than a 20% three point shooter, but I also have shot. When are we going to, when are we going to do this all? I feel like we should charge. Yeah, that's true. We, people we do need to do this. So we should live point. stream it. Do like a home run derby, something with golf, something with basketball. Yeah, we should. Yeah, like a little league field home run derby would be fun too. Oh, that would um, be so. There's a bunch of those things. All right, you always okay. want to jump into these questions. I think I know yeah, heard some of questions. them at the ends, but there's seven of them. Yeah. Okay. Who's funnier, Rufus or Jeff? Uh, can I be blunt? Uh, I don't think either of you are actually that funny, but <laughs> I'll I'll say this. Uh, because Rufus knows I love him and I've gotten to know him at this point. Some of the things he says are so awkward that I laugh now every time I hear like, like so bad it's good. And so I laugh at him probably more than I actually do Jeff. Um, but neither of you guys are actually funny. So that's actually a funny that's, question. That's actually true. By the way, I'm for funny. the record, my pointing, I'm in the middle of my screen. So I was pointing down at Jeff, not pointing at myself. <laughs> I would say Rufus, um, I laugh at Rufus more just because some of his stuff he says is so bad, but it's, just, it's who he is. I don't know. I, I mean, the, jokes, the cheat of the fact it. that I pulled out that joke about uh, our Mormons, Mormons are Christian. That was, that was clever. It wasn't like funny. It but was that's like, Jeff. When you have to, I, yeah, I got yeah. it within like the, three the, seconds. Je- yeah. Jeff's type of humor I mean, occasionally I mean, he has to explain. Who's <laughs> smarter, Rufus or Jeff? Uh, I've heard this one, I think, on a couple of the podcasts. I would say that. I, I, this one's actually pretty easy to me. I, th- I think it's Jeff because I think his, your skill set is such, it's way more wide ranging um, that overall, I think you're smarter. Whereas Rufus probably at one thing is better at any one thing you can do outside of maybe counting cards. We're not allowed to play blackjack anymore anyway. So I, I would say if it's just like what Rufus does, like Rufus is smarter, but you have like everything else too. So that's, I think that one's, um, it's just yeah, you got a, a good range of ability. I Preston, I completely agree with that. There you go. The one that we're only going to ask Preston, who's more handsome? No, just kidding. What's <laughs> the least relatable food that you like? Oh, I've I've heard you guys say this one. This one's easy. Every time I've heard it on your show, I always think uni. 
or sea urchin. It's like, that's like a top five bite for me in my life. And most people think it's too gross to even try it. And so that that's just always come to my head. I that's think I tried it one. for the first time three years ago and loved it. It's, it's, so the best if I'm uni dying, is like, if you ever have uni, my, in, my bite. if you ever uni and pasta with like breadcrumbs on top and it's like crunchy with the, it's effing delicious. It's so good. There's a spot in Vegas in like Chinatown. It's a Japanese slash Italian place. Aaron Kessler took me there. Uh, I don't, he'd know the name of it, but they have, it's like the first time I had something like that and it blew me away. Favorite gambling moment. Mm. I didn't think about this one in advance. Uh, the, um, it's probably, yeah, it's the, the best win I've had in a sense of like the long shot. Like when Dak Prescott won rookie of the year, that was probably my favorite gambling moment for a few reasons. One, it was 500 to one, then 375 to one, then 325 to one, then 175 to one. Um, but I also gave it out after I bet the 500 to one. So I know a lot of people that got the 375, 325 number. So a lot of people won quite a bit of money on that. And then like a few days later, Tony Roma broke his back in a preseason game and Dak was a starter and he was like three to one. So, and then Ezekiel Elliott was probably going to win and then Dak still won. Um, so yeah, I think my cost average, I got a thousand dollars down and it was like almost a plus 400. It was like plus 393 or something. So it was like a pretty significant win too. Sorry, 393, meaning 393 to one. Sorry. Favorite bet that you are going to make in the next year? Hmm. I haven't bet much at all, as you guys know. You can um, you can say you're betting. It on can be a Matthew it Etherington, have to be a or you can say bet. you're. What's that? It doesn't have to be a financial yeah. bet. Yeah. I you can say you're betting on yourself mm. against Rufus in a three point contest. That probably will be the best bet you make. <laughs> if the line's minus twenty, it's. I'm just donating it to charity. It's, what's our alternate shoot. spread? This minus twenty. Minus no, well, 50. Jeff said he made it 20, and I was just like, that's like half of what it should be. Um, hmm. So ever since, uh, I'll say ever since I got the cancer news, I've put a big focus just on my health in general. And so I've, I've bet on myself. And it's interesting because like the cancer you can't control, but I was like, there's some other things. By the I way, you can control. start gambling so, again now, by the way. You've lost the weight that you needed to to continue Yeah, from the beginning gamble. of the two years ago. Yeah, I actually yeah, passed yeah. it up like a few weeks ago. So. That is a real thing. Um, but I think I, I just want to keep betting on myself on that on that side of things and just get in like really good shape. So I'll say that. Worst loss you've ever had. Oh, this one's uh an uh, it, I know exactly what it is. So and so people were following so you guys have seen I used to post these uh for college football money line round robins. The round robins. Underdogs. Yeah, so yeah. They, I do like four, five, six leg money line round robins of dogs early in the season. Usually it's week one through three, where I think the actual prices of the money lines uh, in those particular games don't equate to the actual wider range of results and like variance within those games early in the season. And so uh, there was a particular time, it was a six leg that had like a, a, a five or six to one dog, a plus 390 in there, and then like some other plus one to two fifties. We were five and zero going into uh, Boise State playing Washington State. It was a Mike Leach team. I don't know. It was probably like six, five, six, seven years ago now. Uh, and Boise State with the sixth leg, as they were like ten point dogs in the game, was up twenty one with ten minutes in the fourth. And I'm like, it's and I and I'm not the person. I'm pretty superstitious, even though I know it doesn't actually affect what's going to happen. But I finally like went to the account and started adding up like how much money I was going to win. 
And of course, Washington State's quarterback also had just gotten hurt and the backup comes in and they score 21 straight off after I think two onside kicks late that led to TDs. And then they won in overtime, obviously. And so I went five and one instead of six and oh. And I believe the swing for me was over six hundred thousand dollars just because of the I, I was I was betting like hundred to hundred and fifty dollar legs, all the sixes, all the fives, all the fours, all the threes, all the two. So it was like a pretty significant amount. Um, and so that's like by far the you know, against the backup up 21 with 10 minutes left for 600 K is a pretty tough one to, to, to swallow. I still think about it occasionally. And then finally, who is the person you'd follow blindly? Yeah. Is this a betting question or anything? It's How anything. You define it. Yeah. Yeah. It's what, like, mm. I mean, maybe John Smith. Is that right? John Smith. Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Initially, I was thinking betting, but I don't think there's anyone I would actually. One thing I actually, I think I did a pretty good job of, just while I was in the whole scene for over a decade, was I, I never wanted to. For fun, I would bet stuff occasionally if people are friends and people I sort of trusted. Like like Rufus had a golf bet once. I remember you guys relayed to me, and I and I put a few thousand bucks on it, but I never. I always wanted to like check my work if I could. And otherwise I just wouldn't really care that much. Um, so I've always tried to just do things by myself. So I've, I don't think there's anyone in the betting world that I would just blindly tail or something like that. Um, and that's probably how most people should think. Um, geez, I don't know. I've never, I'm probably too arrogant or stubborn or prideful to actually blindly follow anybody. I mean, it's probably like my dad. It's a stupid answer, I guess, but like, if it comes down to like, who do I trust the most? He's probably telling me has the best advice. Like it's him. So um, I'll roll with that, but I know it's not as exciting of an answer. All right, man. As always, thanks for joining us. Um, we're going to do an end of the year podcast where we bring in a bunch of our friends. So we're going to tap you for that one. It'll be a shorter nice. appearance where we have yeah, yeah. some questions from, from, you know, maybe like crazy, predictions that almost come true yeah that, that, that could work yeah i remember that's, that one that's that's I've, heard, I've heard of i've heard, heard of those did yeah all right it's funny because I'm, I'm really good at when there's two and i have to decide between the two picking the wrong one but then mentioning the second one and then that one always winning so i'm at least glad we talked about it because i think you added would you get 17 to 1 east after that show I mean, Jeff probably uh, during yeah, the yeah, seventeen to one and thirty-five to one or something like that. Those were the yeah. two, I think. Yeah, so worked out. Thanks for joining cool. us, Preston. We'll we'll talk no to you uh, again and and go go Crawley Town, go go Reds, go Reds, Red Devils. Up the town, yeah. Come on, you Reds. There you go. Come on, you Reds. And that was our very very emotional, very serious, very important interview with Preston Johnson, uh, the sports cheetah, who is a very, very dear friend to Rufus and I, um, hope you guys enjoyed that. It was certainly a little bit more heavy than what we normally like to do on this podcast, but, but, um, we were talking about important things and this podcast isn't really just about sports betting. It's about us and the people that we care about. And so hopefully the seven of you guys that listen, feel that same way. Cause you guys are our family, all seven of you. So, um, Rufus, it's kind of time for a question for you. Maybe we won't do a question because we kind of went on for a long time. So let's not do a question because we did a question from Twitter that that we answered about the whole thing. So let's just get into picks. 
last week I lost because I took Cincinnati hoping that I would win. Um, who did you take last week? Do you took did you take USC or Notre Dame? I'm drawing a blank. I think I took Notre Dame though, probably. I think you took Notre Dame plus yeah. the five. And they lost by eleven. Yeah. Although they were in very good position to do a backdoor cover and never he threw an interception and then it all just went awry. And that's what happens. It it does happen. Um, what are you who are you gonna take this week? I'm gonna you know? go back to the well. Utah. Okay. Plus three. Oh. Wow. I think, I think the wrong team is favored here. Whoa, I love that. That's a good I'm, headline. I'm high on Utah. And and the funny thing is, Jeff, that even without priors, like my number would still have Utah as the favorite. So it's not just that I'm low on USC because, you know, new coach and the, maybe I'm not properly incorporating the transfers. Like they are, they're, they're, their rating without a prior is actually slightly worse. So, you know, I have Utah like is the number eight team in the country, I think, and USC is number 17. Interesting. Yeah. And the game is played. Oh, I hope I Vegas. hope that's true. Cause if you if Utah wins that game, I win Pac 12 credit for in our Calcutta. Well, and if when Utah wins, if Utah wins, Ohio State's in, I think. I think if Utah or Kansas State wins, Ohio State's in. But also really do quickly, you think I just want to say I do not understand the committee putting oh, uh, USC ahead of Ohio State right now. Given that both teams have one loss, I don't see how you can make an argument that you USC is better than Ohio State, um, and or or more deserving. Like Ohio State, yes, if you look at the final score, they lo- it looks like a yeah. That makes zero, that makes zero that makes zero know, sense. By I the mean, way. if you were watching the game, you saw that it was a it was a close game, and then there were the two long touchdown runs at the very end of the game. Like it was a close. The game was. It was not a blowout in the in the slightest. And so I think that you can make the argument that USC deserves to get in over Ohio State because they win the Pac-12 and we value conference titles, et cetera. Yeah, et cetera. and they haven't done that yet, though. But they haven't done that yet. Like, yeah. so I just don't get sure. it. Like, like Ohio State is is Ohio State would be more would be a touchdown favorite. I think the market would make them a touchdown favorite against USC. Okay. okay. I'm gonna go to the NFL. I think I'm going to take. Wait, by the way, how did the not? How did the Patriots? The Patriots are down to a three and a half point favorite tomorrow. I mean, a three and a half point underdog tomorrow. I guess really? five and a half to three and a half is not like hugely significant, but it surprises me that it's going in that direction. Yeah, a little bit. People aren't as high on Buffalo right now, which is, you know, it's a long. Well, the NFL season's short, but it also feels long in the fact that teams have different characters, and it it feels like the Bills are gonna get hot again i just don't don't you think i i mean i they're too good i think they're very good uh let's see here i'm going to take the atlanta falcons even against the pittsburgh steelers on sunday that's my pick did i leave you dumbfounded rufus you did Okay. You actually you you had me looking up what I would make the line between USC and Ohio State on a neutral field right now because I was just like I was like I, I have to know this. Can you guess? As what someone that's incredibly invested in Georgia winning the national championship, I'm very freaked out by the by the people that they're going to play in the first round of the playoffs. Wait, oh, like this is great for you. Like, okay, if they play TCU or USC, that's a great situation. 
If they play TCU for sure, I worry a little bit about USC just because Caleb Williams is a freak. USC, they beat Cal by six at home. Okay. They beat Arizona on the road by, I think, only eight. Like they, it's not like they've just been blowing people out. You're telling me not to worry about it. Yeah. I would make Ohio State a 16, no, 15 and a half point favorite on neutral over USC. Yeah, but that, like, but they, but from what you're saying, there's like a reasonable chance that George is going to play Ohio State in the first round. Well, if Utah wins, but if you, so if Utah wins and Kansas State beats TCU, does two loss Alabama get in? So that's again, I think they then they're uh, then yeah. George is playing Alabama, which is not something I'm very fond of either. Yeah, but maybe maybe TCU still gets in as a one loss. I don't know. I I they shouldn't, but maybe they do. I mean, all there's right. political considerations if you think about it. There's all these athletic directors that are on the on the committee and I think, and people affiliated with schools. And I think the SECs, I think there's plenty of people that don't want the SEC to just keep getting all the berths, probably. I don't know, though. Okay. Politics. Politics. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening this week. Um, We'll talk to you all again next week where we're trying to get a big mainstream college football personality on, but he hasn't responded to my text yet, which is slightly awkward. Do you need me to text him, Jeff? Do you know him also? Maybe. I don't even know if you know who we're talking about. That's yeah. I thought I did, but then you you asked a question. So maybe I don't. We'll talk to you all again next week. Thanks for listening.